You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, the 31st and final day of January 2023. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Where will you be at 10 o'clock Wednesday morning? That's when Nevada County will start a major test of its Code Red Emergency Alert Notification System. After regional news and weather, KVMR's Kelly Reese will have all the details so you won't be left out. Meanwhile, the California Report goes to Sacramento to attend a skate park vigil for Tyree Nichols. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. Friends and family of Tyree Nichols, the former Sacramento resident who was beaten and killed by Memphis police officers, held a candlelight vigil in his honor last night. CAP Radio's race and equity reporter Sarah Mises-Tan has more. 29-year-old Tyree Nichols will be remembered as an avid skateboarder who could make anyone laugh. A vigil to remember his legacy was held at his favorite skate park in North Natomas, where dozens of his friends and family members turned out to say prayers and remember him as a father and role model. Youth activist Barry Axias says he hopes Nichols will be remembered not for the way he was killed, but for the life he lived. The person that we saw be brutally murdered um, by police was not who he was. Who he was was a bright, free-spirited young man that loved skateboarding, that that loved living, that was a a genuinely good young man that didn't deserve a merciless gang-banging kind of um, killing by law enforcement. Axias says he and others will continue to call for stronger police reforms nationwide. For the California Report, I'm Sarah Mises-Tan in Sacramento. Napa State Senator Bill Dodd has introduced a so-called Bill of Rights for the Use of Artificial Intelligence. And as KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, the resolution itself was generated by a computer. With cutting-edge AI now able to approximate the writing of human beings, Dodd says he aims to embrace the potential benefits of the technology while also protecting against its dark side, including potential bias and abuses of privacy. Dodd's office used a chatbot to write the Senate resolution, and even he was surprised by the result. I expected imperfection, you know, that would be in there that would just be out of character. And it shocked me, you know, how on point, you know, it really was. No hearings have been set, but don't be surprised to hear computer-generated testimony when the time comes. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline. The California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Cold temperatures are forecast through Wednesday, prompting the National Weather Service to issue frost advisories and freeze warnings for parts of the Bay Area and the Central Valley. The low temperatures could be dangerous for the unsheltered and add to high utility bills for housed Californians. Natural gas and electricity prices are both up sharply compared to last year. 
KPBS reporter Eric Anderson in San Diego finds there is plenty of financial pain to go around. Michelle Bales has lived just east of downtown San Diego in the same South Park apartment for nearly 20 years. It's cozy. It's warm. I really like it. But her 650-square-foot home has been anything but warm recently, as Bales braces for a big San Diego gas and electric bill. She's already changing her daily routines. I try not to use the gas heater. Um, I obviously have to cook. I try not to turn on all the lights. Sometimes I'll sit here at night with candles and just the TV, just to not rack up the fees. Bales spent half of the past month house-sitting elsewhere, and her January bill still topped $100. She only paid about $60 in November. Bales is able to make on-time payments, but many San Diego gas and electric customers are not. We have about 3.7 million customers. Uh, Of that, approximately 341,000, or 25%, uh, are at some level behind on their bill. San Diego Gas and Electric's Anthony Wagner says delinquencies are counted as people who are at least 30 days behind in their bills. Most are more than 60 days late. It's a surprisingly large number. Five years ago, the numbers are more like 10-15% that were behind. Mark Wolf is the director of the National Energy Assistance Directors Association. 25% clearly suggests that the cost of home energy is becoming unaffordable for many families. And the programs we have in place are not sufficient to help them pay these bills. In fact, about a third of San Diego gas and electric customers are already enrolled in a rate assistance program. The two biggest are the California Alternative Rates for Energy and the Family Electric Rate Assistance Program. Both offer rate reductions based on family income. But San Diego Gas and Electric still has about $200 million in delinquent customer debt. And the dilemma here is that utilities go to the front of the line because they can shut you off for power, lose access to internet, access to air conditioning or heating. And so it places a very significant burden on families. Power shutoffs haven't happened in SDG&E's service areas since March of 2020, but the statewide COVID prohibition on disconnections expired in 2021. SDG&E hasn't cut off power for overdue bills since 2020, but company spokesman Anthony Wagner says that will likely change this year. He says the utility needs to start collecting that $200 million from customers with past due bills. He's also quick to say that customers who are struggling have options. As long as you're in communication with us and you have a strategy uh, with the utility on how to pay off your arrearage, you're not going to get yourself disconnected. But you have to be in communication with us. Wagner says the astronomically high gas bills should begin falling when temperatures climb, demand fades, and gas rates are reset. If San Diego Gas and Electric can't collect an outstanding debt, the utility will roll that debt into electricity and natural gas rates. That raises utility prices and keeps pressure on customers who are already struggling. For the California Report, I'm Eric Anderson in San Diego. Steph Curry is getting some heat on sports Twitter this morning, but not for his moves on the court. The Warriors player and his wife, Aisha Curry, are opposing a multi-unit housing development in their city, Atherton, in San Mateo County. In an email to the mayor, the Currys cite privacy concerns for their family. And they're not alone. Other residents in the affluent city are against the development. 
The city council will hold a public hearing on the issue today, and it must also submit a plan for affordable housing to the California Department of Housing and Community Development by today. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, January 31st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Turning to regional news, an 18-year-old Auburn man was killed and a 78-year-old Grass Valley woman seriously injured after a head-on crash Monday evening on Rough and Ready Highway, according to the California Highway Patrol. The crash happened at about 5.50 p.m. near Greenwood Road, just west of the Grass Valley city limits. This information was contained in a CHP news release, which was reported by the Union newspaper. A 2008 Infiniti G37 heading westbound on Rough and Ready crossed into eastbound traffic into the path of a 2019 Subaru WRX. The two vehicles collided head-on. The Infiniti driver, an 18-year-old Auburn man, was not wearing a seatbelt, CHP officials said in the release. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Late this afternoon, Ubinet.com identified him as Joel Romero Perez. The Subaru driver, Elise Durgan, was taken to Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital with major injuries, according to the CHP, and then transferred to Sutter Roseville. The news release said that drugs or alcohol do not appear to be factors in the crash, which remains under investigation. Earlier in the newscast, you heard on the California Report about a vigil for the late Tyree Nichols. Another Sacramento event this weekend is planned to remember Nichols, the Sac Ramp Skate Shop, located at 7000 Franklin Boulevard, Suite 620, in the Parkway neighborhood, is hosting an event from 2 to 5 p.m. Saturday, inviting the community to honor Nichols. That is according to a report in the Sacramento Bee. The Mountain Gazette and other media outlets are reporting that U.S. champion freestyle skier Kyle Smain, who lived in South Lake Tahoe, died Sunday in an avalanche in Japan. Smain, 31, was skiing on a marketing trip for Icon Pass and Nagano Tourism, the Mountain Gazette said. Reuters reported that at least five people were engulfed in the avalanche on the eastern slope of Mount Hakuba Norikura at the ski resort. Three skiers were able to climb down on their own, but two skiers were found dead. In 2015, Smain won the half-pipe FIS World Ski Championship in Austria. Here's good news for party people. The Sacramento Bee reports in today's edition that the Press Club, a midtown Sacramento staple for live music and dance, will reopen at a new location. The Press Club, which had operated on P Street since 1992, closed two years ago due to pandemic-related issues. There will be a grand opening on February 10th at the new location on 21st Street. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, expect freezing temperatures overnight with no precipitation. However, a weak system Thursday night into Friday could bring light rain and light mountain snow. Sunday could bring a wetter storm with widespread showers, mountain snow, and difficult travel. Nevada City and Grass Valley will be mostly clear tonight with a low around 32. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 53. Clouds will move in Wednesday night with a low in the mid-30s. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 14. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high in the mid-40s. Wednesday night, expect clouds and a low of 20. 
The next chance of snow is Thursday night. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland will be mostly clear with a low around 32. Wednesday morning, expect frost until 9 a.m., turning to mostly sunny skies and a high near 57. Wednesday night, expect patchy fog and frost with partial clouds and a low in the mid-30s. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Tomorrow is the first day of February, and the County of Nevada is starting out the month with a major test of its Code Red Emergency Alert System. KVMR's Kelly Reese sat down with Paul Cummings of the County Office of Emergency Services and Lieutenant Sean Scales of the Sheriff's Office to find out everything you need to know about emergency notifications. All right, so I guess we'll start off by just the Code Red overview. What is Code Red? Yeah, so Code Red is a system that we use here in Nevada County to notify residents if something's happening. So if you've lived in Nevada County for a long time and you are signed up, you've probably gotten a Code Red message. Code Red will send you a text message, a phone call, and an email during a disaster, whether it be a fire or the winter storm, to tell you whatever it is, whether you need to shelter in place or evacuate or prepare to evacuate. That's what we use that system for. That system's managed by the County Office of Emergency Services and also by the Nevada County Sheriff's Office. We've trained all of the first responders in our area to use it, so it can even be used in the field. So if something's happening quickly before the whole system comes alive to respond, they can send those messages from the field to warn the public. I was curious about the background in development and implementation of Code Red. Can you talk a bit about its history and when it was created? Our county's been using Code Red for a, a number of years, and it really has just been the, the best vendor for us. Really, for us, it, it just seemed to meet our needs. It can be shared across different law enforcement agencies. Uh, it's easy to train first responders to send the messages, and it seems pretty easy to, to get the public engaged around it. We've probably got more than 95% of our residents signed up for Code Red, which is huge. But as people come and go, you know, there's turnover there, and so we're trying to catch the new residents as they move in and then purge the system of the old numbers as people leave. There's going to be a Code Red emergency test tomorrow. Do you mind talking about what's going to happen and what residents should do to prepare for that test? Uh, sure. So um, the main thing is make sure you're signed up. That's step one, right? Everybody can log on to uh, Code Red. You can go to uh, readynevadacounty.org and then click on emergency alerts. And there's instructions on how to sign up. If you're currently signed up um, and you've created an account for yourself, I encourage you to make sure your address, if you've moved or anything like that, is updated. Your phone lines uh, or your phone numbers you'd like to be contacted at or email addresses are updated to make sure that you can actually receive the alert. We'll start sending the alerts around 10 a.m. tomorrow. We'll send it by supervisorial district. So it could be uh, you could receive the alert sometime in the afternoon as well. Uh, we allow the uh, time for each of the alerts to proliferate through the phone system so we don't clog up everything. And then by the end of the day, if you haven't received an alert, we encourage you to, one, verify you actually have signed up for Code Red. If not, you can sign up through the website. It's uh, relatively easy. Um, if you have difficulty signing up, you can always call 211 and, that, uh, and they can walk you through the sign up process. Or uh, if you are signed up for Code Red, you can always contact uh, Code Red Customer Support at 1-866-939-0911, extension 1, and I'll repeat that, 1-866-939-0911, extension 1. 
And how did you decide to test it now? What's the significance of this time? So, you know, normally we do our code red test in August. So the last three or four years, we've done this countywide test where we message everybody. But really with the increasing fire threat every year and everybody just being so hyper primed to evacuate and within minutes, you know, a fast moving fire potentially threatening people, we thought that's probably a bad time of year to be adding a a superfluous or, you know, an additional non-life threatening code red message. So we decided to move it to the winter. That way we can also bring awareness around signing up for Code Red and off-season preparedness. And then as we head into the spring, this maybe will get people thinking, hey, maybe I should pull my go bag out. Can you discuss a bit about how Code Red will message you based on your address? The example I give is, you know, Code Red is based on where you've physically registered. So uh, I'll use my friend Megan. My friend Megan, she lives in Lake Wildwood in Penn Valley. Her home is registered for Code Red, so she has email addresses and phone numbers that are all registered for that Code Red account. If there's a fire that affects Lake Wildwood, Megan, if her evacuation zone is part of the area that's threatened, she would get the messages that the sheriff's office is sending if they were going to do an evacuation. But if Megan is in Nevada City and there's a fire that's threatening Nevada City and they start sending Code Reds to Nevada City, she wouldn't get those messages because she's registered in Lake Wildwood. And so that's why we encourage the public to not just depend on Code Red like it's a silver bullet. You really should have a whole suite of ways to stay notified, right? Tune in to KVMR, you know, go check Ubinet online, the union, Facebook, Twitter, some of the other tools that we have, the high low siren. These are all ways to stay informed. I just encourage residents to understand that piece of it. Code Red is great, but it doesn't follow you around. And for people who don't have internet access or cell phone reception or something happens and perhaps landlines are down, would Code Red still work or what would be the best option for them at that point? Yeah, so there's a a variety of ways you can be notified within uh, Code Red. So if you're lacking internet service at the time or cellular service, um, if you've had an alternate phone number set up, so if you've got a landline that's up and running, that will still be functional. If absolutely everything is gone, I'm talking landlines are gone, cell phone infrastructure is gone, all of those mediums that you'd be like internet's gone, everything like that, that's where radio can come in, you know, to fill that void. Um, And also deputies on the ground or first responders with their high-low sirens doing direct notifications in people's areas, neighborhoods and things like that where the emergency actually is located. If you haven't heard it before, here's what it sounds like. So the high-low siren uh, is something that we brought online a couple years ago, and it's slowly uh, proliferating throughout the entire state. Currently, all of our first responders in Nevada County use it. We call it our last line and our first line, and uh, it's exactly that, a high-low pitch. Um, we had to get special authorization from the state to permit us to actually utilize it, and it means one thing, leave immediately. What different types of emergencies qualify for use of Code Red? How is it triggered? Basically, uh, when there's a call to action for the public. Um, so we all always think about fires, right? Because fires, we live in a community where fires happen, unfortunately. You know, if the, if it's an evacuation warning or an order for a fire, so we're telling them, okay, this particular area needs to be evacuated, and we say the status, what level of evacuation it is, if it's an order or a warning. And the two differences there is a warning if you have pets, if you require extra time, access and functional needs, livestock, all those things, that's probably time for you to get moving. Evacuation order, that means get out now as fast as you can leave, get on out as fast as you can. But we can use Code Red for a variety of different things. We've done it for missing persons cases. We've done it for gas leaks, um, silver alerts for folks who have wandered away. 
any time that we are alerting the public to a threat or condition or to take some action. In addition to providing the warnings or the evacuation messages, does it provide the evacuation routes people should take? Generally not, mainly because, you know, situations can change. So generally your typical message will tell us who's sending the alert. So your ideal alert will say who's sending it. So in our case, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office. However, Grass Valley PD can utilize this system, as can the Town of Truckee and Nevada City PD. Um, So whoever's sending the alert what the actual area that's impacted by it. So zone 391, NCO-E391, what the actual threat is. So it could be a fire or a flood or anything like that. And then what the call to action is, whether it's leave immediately. With a fire, typically we'll send something out saying there's a fire located on this street and it's headed this direction. But fires can change direction relatively quickly. That's why we don't broadcast evacuation routes because who knows when that person is going to receive that message. Have you had any feedback from the community about Code Red? We have. uh, I think for the most part, the public has embraced Code Red. Everybody we talk to has signed up. Our office, the Office of Emergency Services, we try to really meet the public where they are on their time. And sometimes we do run into people who are frustrated with Code Red because there's some challenges that can come with it. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we get from folks that we try to explain is that They'll say, why didn't I get the code red for that fire that was, you know, nearby to, to where I am? I saw the smoke and I was never notified. Code red's broken. Well, we say, hey, code red's likely not broken, but that's part of why we do this test. When we send messages, we're really casting a wide net, right? And we're going to be messaging a lot of people and getting them to move. So we send messages by evacuation zone. And the evacuation zones are maybe smaller than people think. So we message the smallest amount of people as possible. For people who do think that they're signed up properly and other people in their zone have been notified, but for some reason they're not receiving it, is there some place they should go or a phone number they should call just to ensure that they've signed up accurately and everything is working smoothly? Yeah, just the uh, 1-800 number, the 1-866-939-0911, extension 1. We have had occurrences uh, just with tech failures, um, Code Red and all of these systems, they... um, pulled data from different sources. Um, So I've seen a street um, populated in the wrong zone before and things like that, usually one-ofs that um, if you contact us directly at the Office of Emergency Services, we can usually figure that out relatively quickly. Um, And it's usually a simple fix. I've only seen that happen one time. All right. So to recap, the Nevada County Code Red Alert Test will take place Wednesday, February 1st, starting at 10 a.m. but continuing throughout the day. And if people are registered but don't receive a message during the test, as you said, they should contact 1-866-939-0911, extension 1. Thank you both for your time. That's our newscast for Tuesday, January 31st. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Nevada County Citizens for Choice, promoting reproductive justice and equitable reproductive health care access, advocacy, and education with compassionate services for women, men, and teens. Learn more at citizensforchoice.org. And Clearwater and Filtration, offering solutions for water quality, well operations, water storage management problems, and conservation. Providing water testing services, treatment, and home filtration system design or evaluation. Information at clearwaterandfiltration.com. 
The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weeknight at 6. If you missed any of our newscasts or interviews, you can listen at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.